Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my Taste Buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Welcome to Andy Staples on three, day four at SEC Media Days, the final day of SEC Media Days. The, the conference will finally relinquish its grip on the nation's college football media. Jesse Simonson on three national writer joining me. Jesse, we've been waiting for an SEC coach to get on the podium, get on the mic and say something interesting. That finally happened Thursday. Lane Kiffin brought his bars. The man had oh. singers. The man had one-liners. He had jokes. And he also obviously came armed uh, with some, you know, pointed criticism, whether it be NIL, Transfer Portal, what have you. Well, I'm, but la I'm laughing because I just got an ESPN News alert about Lane Kiffin ripping NIL and calling a disaster. <laughs> That's not the story, guys. The story was Lane Kiffin was funny as hell. And kind of taking a cue from the late, great Mike Leach, you notice... No tie. All of the things we're talking about. Did he talk about his quarterback situation? Did he talk about all the transfers that he's brought in and where they fit? Did he, he did talk, talk Pete Golding a little. A little. Did he talk about how they match up against, say, Arkansas or... Mississippi State or Texas A&M. Or how they lost, I think, five of seven down the stretch. He did mention that a little <laughs> bit. But it is – listen, let's, let's prioritize here. It's talking season, so let's celebrate when a coach is good at talking. And, and the best part is is that you don't always know if you're going to get that from Lane. Yeah. But we got it in spades. Oh, I mean, absolutely. the man was delivering 98 heat today. Let, uh, well, let's start with – Lane Kiffin agrees with us. I think that's a good place to start. Yeah. Uh, yesterday's show, we talked quite a bit about how a, a motivated Nick Saban with a problem to solve is a dangerous Nick Saban. And Lane Kiffin, happy to point out how the SEC media machine works and helps motivate yes. Nick Saban. So here is Lane Kiffin firing a stray at Paul Feinbaum <laughs> and motivating Lane Nick Saban, even more. That's why we have fine mom, so he can motivate him every other year and say, oh, his dynasty's over, and, and you know, this is the end of Saban, and then we're like, hey, thanks a lot for pissing him off. Um, and Paul's always wrong on this subject, so, um, and he just did it again the other day. You know, if he doesn't make the playoffs, you know, you know he's not any good as a coach. So thanks, thanks, Paul. He's not wrong. No, I mean, <laughs> and the best part is, is that he's like, Paul, you are always wrong. You're wrong <laughs> every time. Now Feinbaum <laughs> called Kiffin a hypocrite. Yes, I, I, I know it was funny. Yeah, the, 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 these, I, I get a sense that there's a frenemy thing going on here. I think here, so. Yeah. But yeah, it is, it is pretty good. I, this was, and, and he's, he's right about this because, the hyperbole. Over the downfall of Alabama. Down, I'm going to put downfall in air quotes. That the dynasty's always dead. That if you don't make the playoff, you're yeah. a terrible coach. That's what Lane They said, lost man. two games by a combined four points. Thank you, Lane Kiffin, for being the voice of reason. Something I thought I'd never say.
something that he honestly though he's been refreshing more times you know lately well, i think in the last couple of years whether it was with nil or obviously well that's the talking thing his, his big room interview is a lot about nil because he's the type of guy who will talk about it everybody else just ignores it and says i'm not qualified to talk about it uh you could ask my ad ask my president blah blah, blah. he'll talk about it and he'll say what's on everybody's mind it, it, the truth of the matter is nil they said it was to allow players to cash in on their marketability. The truth of the matter is, and, and I, if you read my column in 2011 in SI.com when I said this was going to happen and this needed to happen, they're going to pay them for their ability as football players. That's what they do. Lane happens to point that out every time he can. It's okay. Doesn't I, bother me. I will say this was not a Lane intended joke, but another one of his jokes today <laughs> yeah. was when he's like, LeBron James, what if he signed a one-year contract every year? What if Tom Brady signed a one-year <laughs> contract? I think there's probably some Tampa Bay Bucks fans that are like, I think he kind of did that with us. That's basically what <laughs> That's he did. Basically exactly what he did. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, is, it is very interesting how Lane's filter just, it's different than everybody Unfiltered. else's filter. Filtered. Yeah. Yeah. Now, not always, though. True. Sometimes he doesn't answer the question. And there's one question he got today that I so wish he had answered. Let's watch that one. Coach, we'll go right in front of you, third row. Kirk. Uh, Kirk Bowles from the Austin American Statesman. Uh, you mentioned boosters and the most aggressive and richest boosters will get the players. Where does Ole Miss boosters rank, uh, relatively speaking, in the SEC? And could you name two or three of your most impactful transfers you got? Well, I'm not about to start putting rankings out on boosters <laughs> from top to bottom in the conference. Um, God, I want to so bad, though. <laughs> the commissioner said, remember, we've grown a lot, and you don't have to respond to every question, you know, to show everybody you have the answer. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that on this situation. How much would you give to get a Lane Kiffin ranking of team boosters throughout the country? I would, I would, I mean, I, I don't have Quinchon Judkins's NIL package, but I would give that up if I did to hear his rankings. Just and completely you, unfiltered. It, I mean, rank them. Can we agree that this is RIP, but it's Pat Dye's cabin would be number one? Oh, wow. <laughs> the things yes. that happened in Pat Dye's cabin have to be well, and, and number so one Lane for the Lane and, and Steve Sarkeesian are, are good friends and work together at USC. I'm sure Lane's calling Sark like, hey, What's it, what's it like having all those billionaires at your disposal? I mean, yeah, I rank them one through three, one through ten, one through fourteen. I think Lane would be because, you know, the, I, the question was around uh, the SEC. Right. I think he, you could probably get him to go around the country too. I think I, I'd love to hear his take on Notre Dame and Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State too. Well, and some of those fan bases would be like, we don't think our boosters are doing enough exactly. compared to what's going on down exactly. in the south. But I think I, I think I'd listen to Lane. I think he's he's yeah. got his ear to the ground, yes. his, his finger on the pulse of that stuff. So that that one's great. But perhaps the most hilarious exchange involving Lane Kiffin. There's a TV reporter named Nick Brooks, who I guess thinks he looks like Lane Kiffin. We're gonna show a picture in the video version of this show. And you can tell for yourself and decide for yourself if, if he actually looks like Lane Kiffin. The key point 
being he thinks he looks like Lane And that sets up just a magical exchange at SEC Media Days, the kind of thing you only get when Lane Kiffin's on the mic. I actually get uh, mistaken for you a lot. I go to high school football games a lot, and they'll actually call me Lane Kiffin. I just want to know what your thought is, if you think I actually look like you, or they're just, they're just uh, seeing things. Yeah, that was the longest question. That's the strangest question. <laughs> now I don't even remember the first question, because this is the last. Do you get called T Daniel Tosh, too? Yes. Okay. Um, I get that actually too. Like, like I'll be walking through somewhere and somebody will be like, "Are you Lane Kiffin?" And I'll be like, "No, I hate that dude. He sucks." <laughs> it's really cool because the conversation's like over and you can keep moving. So, um, and it's run to my down to my daughter. She does it now. Like, you know, she's like, "I don't like all the attention," you know, because the last name. So people be like, "Oh, are you Landry Kiffin?" And she's like, "Nope." I heard bad things about her, you know, and then like, so she's kind of learned that same trick too. Um, so I'm sorry that you get, get paired in with me. So, but I would embrace it. I would just go with it. Hmm. What's your mom's name? <laughs> I got I to ask my dad some questions now. Um, I, I would just embrace it and be like, you probably get like free drinks at places and stuff, like um, just depending on what state in the SEC you go to. But um, so, next question. Okay, I think we're done. Thanks, Bill. Right. That's a good one to end on. Can you imagine Josh Heupel doing that? Daniel Tosh does look like Lane Kiffin, and Lane Kiffin does look like Daniel Tosh. And that I has mean, been pointed out millions of times. So, uh, that, <laughs> Wow. But, but the, no, the, the, only, uh, the, the funniest thing involving Josh Heupel, who was here today, too, and we got to talk a little bit of balls, okay. is our colleague Clark Brooks, the SEC stat cat, who you will hear later in this show. The man's got a bash full of energy. Asking an electrifying question about the sexiest part of Josh Heupel's offense. And as soon as the word sexiest came out of Clark's mouth, Josh, the look on Josh Heupel's face, he's just like, huh? People think my offense is sexy? I mean, it, it, Josh Heupel's offense is sexy. Th this is an offense it that... It is. It's just when, when you hear Josh Heupel talk, you, oh, yeah, yeah. you don't think sexy, even if, yes, the, those, those past concepts... Coming off, they may not be sexy to the NFL, but they're sexy. sexy. For, they're, yes. they're, they may not be sexy for NFL, you know, scouts, but they sure are uh, for college football players. Well, it, because we've talked about it already, <laughs> that offense is proliferating everywhere. Uh, yes. This was the Art Bryles Baylor offense, three now in the SEC, beer and shoot, whatever you're gonna call it. But it, Philip Montgomery's now at Auburn. He's he's out of that that group, and they've been running it at Tennessee. Lane runs it at Ole Miss. Oklahoma runs it with Jeff Levy, so it's another one's coming into the league. Now that was another question that made him a little uncomfortable today. What do you think about Oklahoma? And he, you know, without saying as many words, he just he never wants to hear Bob Stoops' name ushered alongside really, his name ever I, again. I know that had to be incredibly painful. And for for those who don't remember the history, Josh Heupel, 
quarterback at Oklahoma, led them to a national title. He's the offensive coordinator for quite some time under Bob Stoops. At the end of the 2014 season, Bob Stoops fired him and then hired Lincoln Riley to run the offense. Obviously, the pain of that firing has not gone away. It, it runs really deep, and I, I wish those two parties could patch things up, but it may never happen. Yeah, and it, it was I think that was a huge reason why a year ago, uh, when Lincoln Riley left for USC, or two years ago now, you know, Heupel had no interest in that job. He he no. was not he, he like he. It was he not did, even a thought really by no, either party. It doesn't exactly. sound like so. Uh, yeah, but I, it's disappointing because that is his alma mater and what he did, you know, leading him to that national championship in his first season there, yeah. the Heisman Trophy. Uh, it, it the the fact that it is so sour between the yeah. two sides is it's disappointing. Tennessee fans glad they have him though. For sure. Let's talk about the Vols this year because. I thought they overachieved the first year under Heupel. I thought they overachieved last year. Expectations are now going to be sky high every season. Can they keep this up? That's that's the big question. I have a column, you know, coming out later on on three, just about you know the transition that this program has made under Heupel, basically from hoping to win to wanting to win. And every program that's become good has these has these right. moments. Uh, and for Tennessee, it seemed to happen a little bit in year one, but then the fairy dust was all over the floor in yeah. year two because you beat Pitt, top 25 win. Oh, you get a little cachet. You finally get the monkey off your back against Florida. Mm-hmm. Huge win. Suddenly you're rolling into LSU, and you, you got nothing to lose. Yep, and they whipped them. Molly whopped them. And that is the... SEC West champ, as right. we come to find out later. Now, the, the Alabama game was the complete proof of concept that this can happen. The Georgia game was back to reality. And the South Carolina game was, oh, we're not quite at the level we think we are yet. Or maybe maybe, maybe we're kind of, you know, drinking our own Kool-Aid a little bit too yeah. much because you're, you're looking ahead. So I think the big thing for Tennessee this year is, you know, we talked about this earlier in the week. Are they closer to the pack in terms of the rest of the SEC East, or have they really separated themselves as that number two program? A lot of all fans, and I get it, they want, they want that revenge. They have that November 18th game against Georgia Circle. That's the date, you know, that they've really, you know, blown up on the calendar. To me, it's, it's week three in Gainesville. Exactly. If you're, as good, if you're as good as you think you are right now as a program, if you are ascending, if you yeah. are going to be the number two team. Then, and, then and you t- need to roll into Gainesville and beat a team that you're going to be favored against. You need to end 20 years of misery yeah. because you haven't done anything down in the swamp in almost 20 years, and you've been the better team multiple times. Yeah, and let, well, let's go back to a couple years ago now. It's a little bit of a different situation because that was Hendon Hooker's first start at Tennessee two years ago in the swamp. But that was the Dan Mullen team that got Dan Mullen fired. Yes, that went four and uh, four and eight, uh, and they handled Tennessee pretty easily. Yeah, I was down there co- when I was covering the Vols when Butch Jones rolled in there multiple times with better teams. Felipe Franks hits a hail mary and uh, beats Tyree I mean, Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. And one of the that, one of the worst games you've ever seen. Yes. From start to finish until the last play where they had a crazy one. It both teams were were just not where they needed to be. And that's a, that's been the thing with that rivalry is one will be good, one will be down. One will, okay, this is a year where Florida's supposed to be either down or middling, and Tennessee's supposed to be really good. So Tennessee needs to go in there and win that game. If they can't, 
it's going to change perception of both of those programs it by would, their fan base. It, it really will. And, and obviously, t Tennessee fans right now have a lot of optimism. They just landed a five-star receiver yeah, yesterday. Mike Matthews Mike announced, Matthews on, announced on, on three. On our platform, yeah. on on three. So they're recruiting well, but Florida's also recruiting well. So yep. it's, it's, it's a constant measuring well, stick between these two programs. So somebody who works at Tennessee pointed this out to me today, and I had not thought about this, but let's say they do beat Florida. There's a tricky one. Texas so, A&M. No. Oh, UTSA, wrong, wrong Texas school. Okay. So they get Frank U Harris. They get UTSA between the trip to Gainesville and South Carolina coming to Knoxville because South Carolina coming to Knoxville, given what happened last year at Williams Bryce Stadium, is a monumental game. I think there's some bad to, blood that's there a, too. That's a monkey off the back thing. Like if you're Tennessee, you want to annihilate South Carolina. And in talking to to someone today here in uh, Nashville, I think that may be a game they have circled big time. But that's that's where that UTSA thing looms large because let's say you go to Gainesville, you do get that monkey off your back. Now comes UTSA with, with Frank, Frank Harris. Harris, who's his ninth-year senior quarterback. Uh, Jeff Trailer, one of the best young coaches in America. Jakari Franklin, their best receiver now at Ole Miss. Yeah. A little bit of a ding, but yeah. Yeah. Jeff, I mean, Jeff Trailer is going to be a, uh, a Power 5 football coach here soon. Very soon. Yeah. Very soon. So, and, and then you did mention they, they play A&M in Knoxville right after South Carolina. I mean, it is – it doesn't stop. Like, this is, this is going to be a, a tough schedule for Tennessee, and they're going to have to prove it over and over and over again. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, uh, our own Grant Furking, you know, at On3, he and I were chatting uh, earlier today, and he kind of made the point that, you know, Heifel now – with the season that they had a year ago, coming so close to the college football playoff, look, Tennessee fans, they don't have to be told that they're as rowdy and raucous as anybody. They, the expectations have been raised. What does Grant know? He only played for three different head coaches yeah. in Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you know what? I was there covering two of them. So. I, I got to tell you, though, as someone who, who covered Tennessee as a beat writer as well, in, in the Fulmer era when they were still pretty darn good, seeing them now – feels like that it, it feels like they should be good consistently it feels like they have a steady hand on the tail with Josh Heupel so my thing is even if this season does not work out completely as expected or as hoped I don't think we're going to see like a giant drop off oh, in Tennessee. I, 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 think, I think we're going to see them be consistently good well the supports there yeah the backing both from a you know institutional perspective but also just obviously a fan's perspective they just needed someone to desperately direct them out of the wilderness they, they were wandering aimlessly for 20 years well, and that's, it that's the like. thing i keep coming back to is remember when josh got the job and everybody in the world is jumping into the portal and we're thinking this is going to be an epic disaster this guy's going to need two years to even get them back to to level ground none of that happened they were good I mean, they were they were adequate right off the bat and good last year. They were. They were. And I will say, you know, the, Tennessee's obviously been in the news a lot lately because of all the, the, the you know, the, the NCAA, outcome of the yeah. NCAA and the outcome of the Jeremy Pruitt era. A lot of those McDonald's bags did end up landing them a decent amount of good players that Heupel then coached up. Let's not forget the brunches in the Manny Petties. Okay, that's true. Too. That is true. All the nice inducements combined – I mean, there was a lot of really good hype or uh, Jeremy Pruitt players that contributed a year ago. Yeah, and that's the offensively thing. and defensively. Can can they, as those players filter out, 
replace them. I think the, the Mike Matthews is the announcement of, of, you watched yesterday on our platform would suggest that that's possible. Would suggest yeah. that that is certainly uh, trending in the right direction. Well, we're going to hear a little more about Tennessee because right after this message from Bird Dogs, you're going to hear from Tennessee head coach Josh Heifel. Gentlemen, are you living a life of efficiency? If not, let me introduce you to Bird Dogs. These, you know what you're thinking. It's a nice pair of shorts, Andy. I'd wear that on the golf course. I might wear that to date night. And it is a, a wonderful pair of shorts. But there is a secret to these slick Rickies from Bird Dogs that will blow your mind and change your life. It's right here. Boom! Those are your underwear attached to your shorts. That's right. Stretching four ways, hugging you in all the right places, feeling like they were made just for you. That's what Bird Dogs will give you. The tight wads, which I'm wearing right now, you can do it there. You can get the Benjamin Cranklins. You can get khakis. You can get joggers. You can get sweatpants all with the built-in underwear and live a life of efficiency. All those other guys are going to be out there buying underwear, washing underwear, just wasting time. You don't have to do that. Now, if you're not ready to live a life of maximum efficiency, if you're scared, it's okay. Bird dogs will sell you pants and shorts without a liner. But if you're ready to take the plunge, if you are ready to live your best, most efficient life, go all the way. Go to birddogs.com slash Andy, use the code Andy, and you get this amazing tumbler that will hold your coffee as you're going to the golf course or to that casual date night. You don't have to waste time buying underwear or washing underwear anymore. If all of your pants and all of your shorts come from bird dogs, you are living the most efficient life. So go to birddogs.com slash Andy and use the code Andy right now. We are back with Tennessee head coach, Josh Heupel. Uh, Josh got a taste of our colleague Clark Brooks, the <laughs> SEC stat cat earlier, who asked about the sexiest part of your offense. I love the energy, man. The variety in the run game. Although I, I, I will ask you about that because when I was at Knoxville last year, I was talking to, to some of your players and some of your coaches. And one thing that, that jumped out to me was the athleticism of the offensive linemen you had allowed you to expand the run game how much did that change everything yeah. you could do well we constantly evolve from year to year a lot of that's you know defensive structures that you've seen and anticipate seeing the following year um, but your athleticism you know at the guard and the tackle position gives you the ability to pull mm -hmm. and uh, create angles and create another gap uh, it's a huge part of what we do damn that's sexy all right <laughs> so well let's let's talk about like you lose a first round tackle in darnell right yeah. and that on the line of scrimmage is, is where things happen in this league. How comfortable do you feel about the group you have coming back? Well, we do have experience coming back. Um, you know, for us, uh, Gerald Mincy and J.J. Yep. Uh, Crawford both have played a ton of football at the left tackle position uh, a year ago. Uh, those guys primarily, here as we start out, will probably be on the right side. Uh, anticipate, you know, those guys playing at a really high level. And, um, you know, I feel really good about what we've done up front. Yep continue to add depth when we took over the program as one of the positions that we were probably a little bit deficient in as far as numbers continue to add depth uh, love where we're at JJ's the guy who lost his lunch in the Alabama game it right? was right. man now is That's, that one of those that, when, when he comes back to the sideline are you like good job don't touch me didn't see it until the next day when Bill showed it to me uh, it's one of the like all-time great clips 
in particular for an offensive lineman? The the I can't even remember which defensive lineman it was, but the one who looks up and just steps back and he's like, no, no. <laughs> I mean, that's the most intimidating thing an offensive lineman can do. Intimidating and disgusting, but yeah, we'll, 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 we'll let it all roll. This is the longest anybody's ever gone on an inter interview with you. We've only been asked about the offensive line, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely love it. It's the, uh, the mainstay of what we do offensively. We, we talked to Georgia Center, Cedric Van Pran the other day. We said we're going to be an offensive line friendly show. We're going to be the offensive line safe space on this show. So that's what you're going to get. But I know you're a quarterback. We probably got to talk about your quarterback. We don't, we don't need to. We can go oh, over Oh, we definitely defense. need to. No. Yeah. Uh, Joe Milton's been walking around here, and every time he walks by somebody who hasn't seen him in person, it's like, whoa, that dude's huge. And I, I, I've seen him throw. It's a thing of beauty, but it's been an evolution for him. Absolutely, as it is for all guys. Um, but I love you know, what he's done over the last couple of years inside of our program. Uh, really confident and comfortable who he is, uh, consistent in his work and what he's trying to accomplish every day. Man, he's come in and really affected his teammates. He's grown in his ability to understand the game, which allows him to get his body in position, continue to grow in accuracy, really excited about what he finished last year like, uh, what he did this spring, and where we're going to be this fall. One, one of the things that I know impressed you guys about Hendon Hooker was the way he handled the situation when Joe won the starting job yeah. going into the 21 season. How did Joe handle the situation of Hendon taking that yeah. job? Yeah, in a rare turn of events in really uh, in a unique way if you look at the landscape of college football where guys are you know hitting the portal looking for an immediate gratification um, you know Joe looked at it and said you know what I'm gonna be a great teammate but I know I need to grow I know I got coaches and a system that are gonna allow me to grow when ready I'm gonna play at a high level I'm gonna compete every day to be the guy uh, but do it in a really positive way. That's why he took advantage of his opportunity late last year. But it's really how he played every time he got an opportunity to get in the game. Well, and that's the thing. That game against Clemson, which is against a very good defense, he looked like the guy that you kind of thought as a recruit at Michigan in practice. If he, if he ever put it all together, that's yeah. what it would be. How do you get that guy week to week? Well, I think, you know, for him – He's had consistency at the quarterback uh, coaching position. Mm -hmm. You know, same voices with Coach Halsley and me yep. being in there on a consistent basis. He's grown in his understanding of what we do, understanding the game. All of that's parlayed itself into him being really consistent. He will. So you come in this season after having such a great year last year with sky-high expectations. I know you dealt with that when you got to UCF where they were coming off an undefeated season and had everybody coming back. But, but how, do you, how do you talk about that with your team in terms of just putting in the same amount of work it takes to get where you were last year? Well, when we first got there, you're trying to make up yards. Now you're trying to make up inches. Inches are harder to make up than the yards. Be real and transparent with them. What are the steps that we need to take individually and collectively to get where we want to go? A lot of great moments from last year. We didn't reach a lot of our goals. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot left out for us. This group's been great in the offseason, been very purposeful in the way that they worked. Uh, love what we've done in you know, the first three parts of our offseason. Got to have a great training camp, but looking forward to hitting the grass with these guys. I am looking forward to seeing you guys out there. Josh Heupel, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Welcome back. We're here at SEC Media Days, but that doesn't mean the news has stopped everywhere else. Jesse, we got to talk about... The proposed NIL bill, bipartisan effort. This is the one Greg Sankey was hinting at. Waiting for. On Monday. So basically, the Texas bill, and it is supported by 
people on both sides of the aisle coming out of the Senate. It would essentially create a government arm of the NCAA, the Collegiate Athletics Corporation, that would have subpoena power and be able to, to investigate things. And basically, it would require any athlete with an NIL deal that's worth more than 1000 bucks to submit all the financial information to their school. It would regulate the agents. It would, it would certify agents, which is something that the, the NFL PA does for, for NFL players or the NBA PA does for, for NBA players. So it would act in that capacity. But a government arm of the NCAA does not sound great that's, to me, given their like history. A terrible so. idea. <laughs> The idea that the agents need to be registered and, you know... Uh, I like that. that That's good. The, the idea that if you don't get drafted, you could come back to there, school. That's gonna, pretty cool, the too. The medical coverage stuff yeah. in there, the yep. lifetime medical... Yep. There are little individual, I think, nuggets yep. yeah. that seem to be a good idea, but it, it continues to be so absurd. And I know there are, you know, it's easy to complain and pine for the, about the problems with NIL, but the folks that want to be like, we need this transparency because we don't know what one deal is versus the other. Well, it, we don't know what one coach is making for a Mercedes uh, right. you know, commercial well, versus what... And every private business is, in America has to figure out... What is Nick Saban what making? What the employment market is in their, in their marketplace. Like, yeah. the... The people we work for know what sports writers make generally because it's their job to know. Right. They have to. Nobody tells them that. There's no database that says this is what somebody makes at the athletic and this is what somebody makes it 24/7. It's it doesn't work that way. No, and it doesn't. <laughs> it, it, it it we we don't know what Nick Saban makes for doing the Aflac commercials. Right. But I'm pretty sure it's a nice penny. Yeah. And they know. All right, Deion Sanders yeah. says, well, I want a similar deal yeah. to what Nick Saban's getting. Yeah. And, but he doesn't know it down to the penny. What, what they ultimately want is for schools not to pay players for their value as football players or for their value as basketball players or their value as softball players. That is never going to stop. You right. could do this. It will not stop that. They will find ways around it. And I'll tell you right now, here's what I'd do. I'd sign a guy to a bunch of $999 deals. Yeah. If, if they wanted to do it like that, do you know how many $999 <laughs> deals there will be? Uh, um, uh, all of them. Yes. All of them. Yes. All of them. So it, it's not going to stop especially anything. Be, especially because <laughs> this bill also does not address the employee status at all. Right. It purposefully which so. Is, which is another thing that's going to come along through the government in a different place. Right. You know, it's the National Labor Relations Board. Like, all of that's going to get settled, too. And it'll be said if that's settled in a different way, none of this actually matters because they might actually have to make them employees. Now, the interesting thing is coming out of this, it seems like there's actually legitimate optimism. They can get 60 votes. Now, the session ends at the can end they, of I, next I, I'm week. I'm not worried about them getting 60 votes. I'm worried about them getting a vote. Yeah. Do will, they, will it will even they, come will, to the floor? Will they actually write a bill? Yeah. But there, there seem to be some yeah. of these reporters out there uh, that are following this stuff with regularity seem to have some confidence. They know way about way more about it than yeah, I do. Yeah, so. it, it was interesting, though. Nicole Auerbach from The Athletic talked to Tom McMillan from Lead One. who's He's been the, the lead lobbyist for, for these folks. I think she was one of the ones that said right. optimistic about the 60 but, votes. But Tom wasn't all that optimistic. He said maybe there's interest in it, maybe not, which coming from him is a little surprising because he's been one that, that has – you know, his job is to lobby them and, and make sure that does come to a vote. Well, and notably, this is just a discussion draft. We should be clear about this. Yes. It was the, so it hasn't even been a bill that's been written. Right. Yet. And, it, you know, the, we're not going to get political on this show. This is not something we do. 
But we can generally say, and I think everybody knows this, if you watch your schoolhouse rock, when you go from this, where they are now, right. to a bill that is up for a vote in the Senate, and then if it passes, there goes the House. People may try to add some stuff on, pull some stuff out, so it may not quite look like that if it actually does come to a vote. So right. that's the other, that, that's the other part of We've it. We've all seen the little commercial of how a bill gets made, you know, and you, you schoolhouse you rock. Schoolhouse exactly. rock. So it's, yeah. it's, it's amazing. So, but we'll see what happens. I didn't know it there. had a name. See, there you go. Oh, I'm yeah. learning. I'm learning history on the show in real time. Absolutely. I don't even know if you were born yet when schoolhouse rock was coming. No, out. but I did at least see it in grade school. <laughs> yeah. So here's the deal. We don't know what's going to happen with this. I don't think they know what's going to happen with this. They're going to keep trying, but I think you should listen. Temper your expectations. Athletic directors like Joe Castiglione at Oklahoma, who one of the most respected guys in the business, he came lover out and said the cake. other day, a oh, lover of cake, that's right. He, he participated in our cake, lover cake of rankings cake. yesterday. But he said the other day, it's, it's time for them to start making a plan B and plan C and plan D. And that means... There's some people who are very influential in this business who think Congress is not going to pull your butts out of the fire here. You're going to have to figure it out yourselves, which, by the way, is what you should do. Because what business wants the federal government to tell them how to run their business? Exactly. I mean, yeah. And th th these plan B, C's, and D's should have been planned. They, they should have had these in the you know uh, chamber, so to speak, right. well past where we are right now. Okay, so this is not the only thing going on plenty of other news elsewhere. more northwestern I, and i get a feeling this is just going to be a drips and drabs and yeah. drips and drabs the couple, faucet the faucet's leaking yeah a couple things there's a third lawsuit multiple reports confirm notably not with the guys that we talked about yesterday yeah. that went on the record with the right. chicago tribune and yeah. other reporters and then then another lawsuit that is uh, that has brought the softball and volleyball teams into it and let's not forget northwestern in addition to football has also had issues with cheerleading and baseball. So this is this is going to rope in the administration. This is going to rope in Jim the Phillips. president, Jim Phillips, who's the current commissioner of the ACC. He's the former athletic director there. Uh, Morty Shapiro, the former president. All of these people are going to have to deal with this in one way, shape, or form. And it's I don't think it's stopping anytime soon. It seems, seems to be a, a snowball rolling downhill. Uh, really interesting story by Kaylin Kaler in The Athletic that talked to players at Northwestern from the 90s through more recently about how this stuff came to be. Uh, they, they would go to camp at Wisconsin Parkside, and apparently it started with naked pull-ups, and then it just sort of devolved. Escalated from there, or yeah, devolved. Yeah, yeah. yeah devolves the, the, a better the word than escalated. The people who started yeah. it wouldn't recognize what it became is, was the gist of, of the right. story. It, where it started off as you know a bunch of guys that are stuck out in the middle of nowhere in Wisconsin doing football practice, doing goofy stuff, and then it changed at, over the years. And then what what is most evident is that it was systemic throughout the entire athletic department. This is it's not it, it's a football story in terms of and different because, sports had different issues, right. different so it, that's the thing that is going to make this last so long and, and reach so far is we're talking about the entire department. We're not just talking about one team. This is not just a Pat Fitzgerald story anymore. No. and But he, he will forever be at the center of it because yeah. he's the most famous football player and famous coach they've ever had. And again, 
his attorney released a statement yesterday saying, hey, nothing specific's been leveled against him. We plan on defending him vigorously, so we'll see what, what, what he comes out with as well throughout this process, but that's going to keep going. Another process that is seemingly never-ending, but it does, maybe there is an end in sight, the Pac-12 TV deal. So Colorado Chancellor Philip DiStefano told the Denver Post on Wednesday that he expects during the, the meeting on Thursday with presidents and George Klyavkov, the commissioner of the league, to get a more firm update on where they're at. And DiStefano sounded very optimistic about, about Colorado staying in the Pac-12. It's, it's what that we've was heard. That was yeah. of the most interest to me, that, yeah. he, that he was optimistic. Because I, I got to say, I, I feel like we've been like Charlie Brown with the football here with this Pac-12 media rights deal. It seems like ev- every time they're, they're, they're saying, it's coming, yeah. it's coming, the, the, you know, Lucy takes the football well, away. It, but Colorado staying mm-hmm. in the league, I think, is interesting. And or that, the optimism right, that they've and that, and that level of statement, when he didn't have to say anything, right, exactly. I think, does give you some optimism that maybe they can. So we will see what happens with that. The the league has been very good at pointing out this week, hey, there's not going to be an announcement right. about a media rights deal. So this update that he plans to give to the presidents, maybe they're not across the finish line, but maybe it's close enough that the presidents can start Maybe they have really, some specific really TV partners. Feeling good about it. Right, yeah. and, and maybe they actually have some, some specific TV partners, you know, with a contract that's at least being formulated. Yeah, and, and remember San Diego State, has said staying in the Mountain West, and that probably means for about two more years. And they're getting that. They're they're yeah. actually getting the six million dollar check. It was it was put on. It was you know put in yeah. the side bank for a little while, but yeah. they, they they got the little penalty, and now they're going to get it. So lots of news in the world of college football. It never stops, but no. we got lots of fun stuff going on here at SEC Media Days. When we come back, South Carolina quarterback Spencer Rattler, and he's going to give you a preview of a freshman that everybody who follows recruiting has been really excited about. Well, he's been throwing to this guy. You're going to hear about it when we come back. We are joined now by South Carolina quarterback Spencer Rattler. And Spencer, how, how did last year change for you after that Tennessee game? Was it, I've, I've talked to Shane Beamer about this. He said, I saw all those, pra- those throws every day in practice, and then we saw them in the game. Did it feel different for you? Um, I think everything just clicked, not just for me, but our, our whole, a group as a whole. Yeah. Um, you know, we cut some things down, not making it easier, but just doing what we're good at, you yeah. know, playing to our strengths, getting the ball in our best players' hands, and, and just throwing the ball around, running around. Everything was clicking that night. So before we started recording, you and I were talking about you were all part of a Netflix show, the, the QB, well, QB1, I believe. It's the QB is Pat, the Patrick Mahomes one, yeah, so you're working yeah. work your way toward that one now. But you've been – in the spotlight since sophomore, junior year, high school, how much have you grown and changed in that period? I mean, obviously a ton. Um, yeah. I was 16 years old, you know, back then. Now yeah. I'm 22. Well, that was a long time ago. Um, obviously enjoyed the process from then till now. It's been nothing but a blessing. You know, God has blessed me with, with a lot, and uh, I don't take it for granted. So you, you come into college, and, and really you've seen all the changes. Like NIL starts – while you're in college, the transfer rules change while you're in college. How different do you think your experience would have been if you'd been born five years earlier? I mean, I think a lot different. I mean, every the whole landscape has changed, you know, and I've been 
lucky enough to see it all change and go through it. Um, so, I mean, I'm one of those guys and along with others that have got to see everything, like you said. I was going to say, do you feel like you've, you've aged 10 years? I mean, this is a, that's a lot of stuff to, to get thrown at you at once when oh. nobody else knows how to deal with it either. Yeah, no, I still feel like I'm a young guy. I mean, okay. I'm 22, still pretty young. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually, yeah, I'm young, so <laughs> I, I, I got a lot more life ahead of me and uh, just been enjoying it. So this team... You know, you, you have the confidence boost at the end of last season of beating Tennessee, beating Clemson. How much did that help you going into the offseason just to know, hey, we're capable of playing with anybody? Yeah, I think those last few games, I'd say from November on. Okay. Um, from November on, everything started to click. We got our full confidence. Um, and there is no such thing as momentum. But, I mean, I think we all know if you ride that momentum and continue to work and stay consistent – you can't expect everything to happen, but mm-hmm. you got to work towards it. And, uh, you know, we're just stacking on these days. And, yeah. New offensive coordinator in, in, in Dow Logan's. How does that change what you do? How does that change the offense? I've loved every part of it. You know, Coach Dow, he's a great guy, uh, great coach. Obviously, coach quarterbacks in the NFL for mm-hmm. a long time. So he's got a great mind for the game. He's helped our whole quarterback room improve, our whole offense improve. And, yeah. How many questions do you ask him about? how NFL quarterbacks work? Because I, I think that would be the thing I'd be the most curious about is what, what does this guy do? How does this guy handle Tuesday? How does this guy handle Wednesday? Yeah, he has so many stories and so much experience at that next level um, that, that helps us from an everyday basis, from practice to game prep mm-hmm. to everything. So we, we try to ask him every little thing. So give me a couple younger guys that, that maybe we don't know yet who may be household names come October or November. Uh, let's see, on the offensive side? Or yeah, on the side? offensive. The guys, guys you might be throwing to, yeah. handing to. Younger guys, I would say um, Elijah Caldwell. Watch out for him. He's, uh-huh. been a, he's been a guy that has came in, really been focused, great player. Um, you know, other younger guys. I feel like we're a pretty older group on the offensive end. Yeah. Um, but Anybody you know, on defense? Defense, we got some DBs um, that will be great. And But, yeah, y'all, y'all would just have to see. Well, okay, Let me. speaking of that, the guy last year, Nick Emmonworry, could you guys tell when he showed up, this dude's going to be special? Yeah, Nick, Nick is one of the freakiest athletes I've seen. And uh, you just reminded me, Nick Harbour, obviously okay. another younger oh, guy yeah. that's going to be great for yeah. us. Yeah, we, we haven't done much on him. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. only a little five-star, little five-star track star, really fast. Yeah. 235 pounds. Is, okay, is he really that big and that fast? I, I've seen the videos, but I, what's it like in person? He's freakish. Let's say that. I mean, probably six, every inch is six five. You know, fast as fast as ever. We're just trying to tighten down everything else, get his fundamentals right, and obviously learn the offense. That's what. When I talked to Shane Beamer, he mentioned that, you know, the, the initial thought that when they're recruiting him is maybe he's a defensive end, then a tight end. Now moving him even further out as a, as a receiver. What corner is supposed to be able to deal with that? Hey, that that that. I hope no nobody can deal with him. You know, not just him. Obviously, we got so yeah. many other guys that yeah. they have to focus on. So uh, that's a positive for me for sure. All right, we got to talk about this this charm here, the 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 rattler charm. Yeah. Did you get that? When did you get that made? Uh, this was made in 2020. Okay, uh, I've had this for a few years now. Uh, just a cool little piece. You know? Absolutely. With yeah. a name like Rattler, you have to have a cool logo. You have to have fangs somewhere. Somewhere. You know, sharp tail, sharp sharp. Whatever you call that. Rattle. rattle. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Now, the pit vipers are an amazing, amazing group of snakes. They got the fangs. They come out. The boom. They... They're very scary. You want to stay away from them. You see a lot of them on Arizona golf courses That's for sure. exactly right. They strike fast just like your offense. Spencer, thank you so much. Yes, sir. Thank you. Joined now by a very, very special guest. I don't know how special, Andy. The, the man who created a, a, a 
night of dining oh. that ended with Brock Heward downing short ribs, looking at me going, what, you're not hungry anymore? That is a more significant and recalled moment. By the way, I'm Joe Tessitore. This is Joe Tessitore. can't tell by the I, voice. This is how um, bad I'm at this. Yeah. I forgot to introduce yeah, Joe Tessitore. Okay. But this is, I will say this. So we had an, an all-time, many years ago, we had an all, some of my closest college football friends. I invited everybody to Connecticut for yep. an all-time, we're going to have an Italian feast. And that moment, I feel, in your career, both as an athlete that you were and as a media <laughs> professional, stands out more in defeat than anything that happened when you're getting your ass kicked as a walk-on offensive Is, lineman at Florida. Listen. Than anything that happened in your professional career. That, was, that defeat to Brock Heward. Yeah. Well, first of all, there's a couple you things. You were number two in the entire thing. A couple things you need to know that, that people need to understand about human beings and athletes. It's not the bigger guys who can eat the most. Oh, I know that. Oh, yeah. It is, it is the 6'5", lanky, raw-boned yeah, quarterback. That, that is the guy yeah. who has a hollow leg. He does. And, but, and he burns the fuel quickly. But the strategy yeah. was off on, on my part. You went heavy because on the arancini. The arancini, yeah. but it is the sauce that your brother-in-law puts yeah. on the arancini. Dalton Velez, Lou Dahl's Restaurant, North Haven, Connecticut. Oh, man, I still have dreams about that. Oh, it's good now. Unbelievable. It's good. He's excellent. I know you dream of coming to SEC Media Days. I love and SEC Media Days. Talking to the glitterati of the you SEC. You know, it's so funny because you, I mean, you and I have been doing this for way too many years. Yes. When our restaurant choices were the perimeter of a mall parking lot in Hoover, <laughs> exactly. Alabama. Exactly. Um, Welcome, media fans. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, what I like about SEC Media Days is, is the whole thing, and it's the overused moniker, it's the unofficial start. But it really is because what it is is it's all college football fans pausing and saying, oh, I can see it. I can see the yes. starting gate. So if we can see the starting gate, we're allowed, and now it's on, and we can just start, it, it's hard. and we can talk, and here we go. And it's predictions hard for are, me, Joe, because yeah. we get in full gear here. Totally. We, we are all no, it's in. On. Like now, I, starting Monday, I work now through January yes. 9th. But yeah. we still have to get through camp. Correct. The games really but aren't for another six weeks. No, no, I know, so. but it's like I'm I'm all the way in now. Oh yeah, yeah. There's no turning back now. So of the the folks, we're we're you know three days in, so you haven't gotten to see everybody yet. But of the right. folks you've talked to here mm -hmm. at SEC, who are you most impressed by? Um, so I always think there are winners, and I don't want to say losers of right. SEC Media Days, but there are winners of SEC uh, Media Days. Um, and when I sit back, I think I I think that Coach Saban and spending some time with him, we both had a bit of a private time with him this morning, and I think he likes the fact that it's Kirby and oh, Georgia. A 100%. Where the rat poison isn't. He's not Kirby yes. rat poison assuaging hype. I think he's so much more comfortable in that role than yep. he is in what would be the Kirby I, role. I said this on the show previously. Nick Saban, with a problem to solve, is the most dangerous Nick Saban. Yes, so he's very comfortable. Um, I think there are programs that have clear momentum and like where things are headed. Um, I, I know what happened last year with Texas A&M <laughs> and all the hype because of the side yep. Listen, take away some of the doubts about, well, what happened last year and this stuff with what the play calling. Just start looking through the roster. Right. There are few rosters you're trading. There are few you're trading for outside that, that, that roster. That's the thing that comes back to me with A&M because I do feel under Alabama and LSU – that there's a big group of that, that group of five other SEC West teams. All their games feel like coin flips only because AM hasn't proven that Understood. it can win these games it should. Right. But of those five, the AM's the only one where I'd say, 
I can see them beating Alabama. I can see them beating LSU. I can see them giving Georgia I mean, a good game. Even with all the chaos and yes. issues of last year, they were still two yards away. Absolutely. From, so, but just look at every – I always look at levels, right? Yeah. So just look at, go through position groups and look at different levels, and you tell me where you see the weakness. Because I love Wigman. You're, if they have some offensive line injuries, I think is the well, – See, that was that's the what happened last, last year. Season. That's what happened last they, year. They yeah. are seemingly going in healthy, and yeah. they have more depth. Yeah. And now you get another year, and, you know, Steve is in there, who obviously you're familiar with right. because of Florida, and I'm familiar with because he coached my Steve son. Steve Adazio, um, looking for dudes. He's – He's a phenomenal offensive line yes. coach. In terms of development of an individual player, he's right. a phenomenal offensive line coach. The, the fact it's Adazio, Petrino, Jimbo as your three people handling an offense, I'll take that. That's Well, and that's the thing. Jimbo, I think it's just a Jimbo quirk that he doesn't want to just say Bobby Petrino is calling the plays. Because he is. Right, because he is. <laughs> but whatever you think of Bobby Petrino – there's not a single person well, in the world who won't guys, say well, that guy's stuff. a great plate caller. <laughs> Please, yeah. So it, not it, even a question. It, I'm very. I'm, listen, yep. they may not have a record that you sit there and say, "Oh, was that that great of a year?" They're going to be a very good football team, right? And that's that's what I keep coming back to. They're going to be a very good football. They, team. they sh- probably should have beaten Alabama last year. Mm-hmm. Did beat LSU last yeah. year when LSU was yeah. LSU. And and we're thinking this is going to be a disaster because yes, we saw the other games too. But no, I I think they have the chance to outperform their expectations Absolutely probably more than do. anybody else in the league. Absolutely, they do. And the hype that was placed on them last year should actually have been on layaway for one year. The the other thing I'm excited to see is, is Hugh Freeze. At Auburn. Oh, I trust him. Right. We've seen him do this at Mississippi State. Right. Where he took a roster, I think, that was probably worse than what he's inheriting this year. At Ole Miss. Right, at Ole Miss. Yeah. And and there's no transfer portal back then. Right. He just had to, you know, he got Bo Wallace. So now you get a quicker turnaround. Right. He has a quicker turnaround on the roster. And it was scaring people his first year there and then started beating people. That's right. Yes. And I like, listen, I think if it's the Peyton Thorne that he expects to have. Yeah. Um, and no, and they got big bodies now at receiver and at tight end. The kid from FIU right. coming in. Um, you know what they have at running back. They're going to patchwork the offensive line together. So yeah. there's going to be some continuity stuff. The roster is instantly better. Yeah. Um, Montgomery is a very good offensive coordinator. Hire. Yes. So I like what they're going to be on offense. We'll see how they develop on defense. They'll so, get somebody. They'll right. get somebody. And, yeah. and listen, Joe, you go everywhere. So let's not limit this to the SEC. Yeah, whatever you want, man. What players are you most excited to see again in person this year? Um, well, interesting. I mean, it's, I know you don't want to talk about the SEC, but uh, my, the first player that comes to mind is Mason Smith at LSU. Oh, absolutely. I think Mason Smith was set to be the breakout player in the SEC last year. Defensive tackle, LSU, 6'6", 315 pounds. Hurt in Explosive. the Florida State game. I was calling the game. Yeah. Fifth play of the game. I'm calling the game, and he's out for the year now. If you told me they would go on to win the SEC West after the <laughs> – Right. Um I think he could be a guy that by the end of the year we're saying they got the most destructive interior defensive. So. I, f- I forgot you had a run of LSU games last season. Greg McElroy and I did LSU last year every other week. Yeah, you, you basically saw the no, evolution the, of LSU. Six times. Yeah. 
we broadcast them every other week. <laughs> so from the Florida State high drama loss through the AM, yep. the high water mark of, of the game at Florida, which was Jaden Daniels' real breakout. Now, okay, wow, he's mm-hmm. the sixth touchdown game. Yep. We, we had the, the near loss at Arkansas where Harold Perkins single handedly yes. won the game. That's what I was about to single-handedly. say. Single handedly. Because Harold Perkins might be the guy I'm most excited to yes, watch. Yes, but play I don't think year. Harold. Okay, so Harold Perkins last year was sea ball run to ball. Right. Just go out in the field and be an athlete and yep. just be athletically superior to everybody. Now he's going to play within the constraints of the Madhouse defense. I think his stats will actually not be as good this year, but he'll be a better overall football player. I'm just I'm wondering if he can be. Do you think back to 2011? Tyran Matthew, obviously a different position, yeah, more different type of guy, player, yeah. but a bigger version of that kind of stat stuffing. Yeah. Not, not necessarily a giant tackle stat number or tackles for loss, but one of those guys who... Maybe he's got six tackles, a tackle for a loss, right. a forced fumble, but a last fumble year, recovery. Like the four sack, three <laughs> yeah, forced fumble. Right. Like that's all the stuff where it's just he's off the edge, he's in space, and he's going to get the, wherever the ball yeah. is. So here's the evolution that he reminds me of. When um, when Boston College um, had, and you know I play a mentorship role at that Absolutely. program and on the Board of Regents. So They've had a couple it. good linebackers. Well, there was a I've year heard. where we had Mark Herzlick, who was going to yes. be a top 10 yeah. pick, and then we had a freshman by the name of Luke Keekley, who was yes. pretty good. Well, that was the year that Herzog, unfortunately, was dealing right. with Ewing sarcoma and had cancer. And I remember, so my wife and I were spending time with Mark off on the side. And I remember Mark saying, hey, Tess, he goes, when this kid, this little pup from Ohio, learns how to actually play the position, he's going to be really good. It was just C-ball, run-to-ball that freshman year. Right. Then it's okay, we're going to put him into the scheme of the defense. And, oh, by the way, it was like 150 tackles a year later. Oh, yeah, Golly. he's really, really good. That's Harold Perkins to me. It's the Luke Keekley evolution. Wow. and I Because mean, that's the same thing you'd say about Harold Perkins. Yes. Uh, now, they're different in terms of ranginess and yeah. body type. But it's it's he didn't even know what he was doing last year. Right. And, and they Keekly didn't, didn't know what and he was doing freshman year. And they didn't know, LSU, I'm talking about, didn't really know all that they could do with him. And that's, right. that's and what like, makes so it interesting. So why try to do yeah. more with him, just let him be? That's what they were doing with Luke Keekley that year. Yeah. It's like, we have the fastest, rangiest linebacker in the yeah. nation. Just let him wow. just, you know. I, I cannot wait. So do, are you and Greg lobbying for a little more variety? Strangely, I do like doing LSU. I mean, well, obviously. Well, who doesn't? You, know, but I did, mean, you, you gain a lot of weight doing LSU. Yeah, you're going to eat really well and you're so, um, I mean, you eat really well wherever you go in the SEC. So. That's true. That's true. Yeah, this is I, – I just – I'm excited about this year. And it's weird because I feel like this entire offseason has been a let's get to 2024. Let's talk oh, yeah. about USC and UCLA in the Big Ten. Let's yes. talk about Texas and OU in the SEC. Let's talk about the 12-team playoff. But no, no, no. They're going to be games this year. I know. I want to cherish these first. I, I know. This is the last year of what we've known college football to be for so long now. Yeah. This is the last year like this. But everybody, all the conversations are about fast-forwarding to the new era, the new college football player, the divisionless college football, right. all of that. Thank God the other – I know everybody's losing divisions, but thank God the other conferences have lost their divisions. Yes. Oh. It, it, yeah, the, I don't need any more ACC Coastal games. I, I'm not going to miss the Big Ten West oh. when it goes away. But I will I, I will miss the SEC West. I was looking at yeah, – The SEC – yeah, but there was an era because you lived through right, it and the played SEC in it where the was SEC the dominant East one. was. The, yes. like, when Florida, Tennessee were Florida and Tennessee at that like, – but, but I was looking at a schedule, and it was looking at Auburn's schedule the other day and just going – 
we're never going to see this again. This is just right. meat grinder yeah, division. Brutal, it doesn't. Yeah. It, and they're playing be, the West plus yeah. Georgia. Yeah. There will be very difficult SEC schedules going forward well, as everybody rotates through. You know what there will be, Andy? Yeah. And I was having this conversation because a lot of people ask me, like, hey, you're one of the few in the room that's you, you've broadcast at the top level of the NFL and you broadcast right. top level. So, you know, they're asking me a lot of comparison questions of doing NFL playoff games on Monday Night Football and doing mm-hmm. compared to doing SEC on ESPN. And I said, you know, if you really size up the NFL and the SEC, and the SEC there, are, there are a lot of similarities, a lot of differences. But the one thing is when you're programming the NFL or you look at TV schedules in the NFL, you think of these big, bold legacy brands that no matter records, circumstances, that helmet matters right, the, the on a The Cowboys TV and the Giants. Packers, Cowboys, yeah. Giants, yeah. Steelers. Like just yeah. Stay in those bears, fours, yeah. Bears. You know, some Bears typically, Not no so matter what, yeah. Patriots more recently, whatever. Yeah. But there's definitely like four of those iconic brands yeah. and a few on the perimeter. You add Texas and Oklahoma into the <laughs> SEC. The SEC legitimately has more of those brands oh, than yeah. the NFL does. They legitimately, like we're talking about like eight of those brands that the, no matter what the TV program schedule says, it's those The those helmet two schedule that my mom used to oh, magnet up to the fridge is going to look incredible. Over yeah. like, so any Texas combination, any it's crazy. It's, it's very exciting. Amazing. But got one more year before they show up. All right, I'm going to we we as we're recording this, we have not seen the results of the of the media poll. I think LSU is going to get picked to win the West. Do you really? I I picked Alabama, but you I th- believe I think that the media here I think the media here will pick to, LSU. What are you going around doing straw polls? What are you doing? I just it's a mind meld. See, I think I'm, I I'm think listening it'll be, to everybody. I'm not telling you what I'm picking, but yeah, yeah. I think it'll be Alabama will get the pick. Okay. I think it'll be Bama 1, LSU 2, A&M 3 will be the pick. That, the A&M3, I agree with you on. Yeah. I think people are going to pick LSU, and I think Nick Saban's just going to tense his hands and say, oh, good, oh, good. he'll love that. <laughs> he will absolutely love that. Yep. All the right, Poison, going to Baton Rouge. Yeah. Joe Testor going better to Baton Rouge. T- hey, they're a better team this year than the team that won the SEC East last year. That's exactly, SEC West last that's year. That's exactly right. Excuse Joe Testator will be in Baton Rouge. He'll be yeah, eating well. Be there every other week. Hopefully yeah. I'll be there too. Hot rains. That's right. Yeah, that's my lunch spot. <laughs> that's, I, I got I got too many spots. That's the problem. That's uh, so good. Uh, the the Rufinos, so when they have the 64 I, I, I struggle. Ribeye. I struggle with any form of Italian. I know. You know I, I, I understand. So I, I stay understand. away. Well, and look. And nothing against them. They you mean are in well Louisiana. They're good. They're good. You, you need it's, to. It's 120-year-old Sicilian immigration, though. You know me. I'm a well, little more current with that. I understand. understand. Yeah. With anybody who will put a 64-ounce steak in front of me. You're in. I'm a fan of. Yeah. What I love about you is that you still you still eat great and big, but you're like in prime shape. Like I'm ready to bring you on the road to face Tyson Fury. I'm I'm trying. It's either Wilder or Fury. We have a club fight. now. Cole Kublik and I are texting each other, yeah. trying to you know be a support. Cole's how many how many calories are in this? Two teaspoons of peanut butter. You're not again. going that far. Stop that. Just put the good fuel in and keep working no, out the way you are. No, I've been counting calories since September 2021. Have you? Is yes. that the key for? What, I'm for never. You, you look I'm great. Never I'm very proud of you. I appreciate it. Yeah. That's yeah. So awesome. that's and that, yeah, because yeah, I've heard some of your advertisements on some of your media work. I've known. Yeah. I've yeah. So we're we're gonna up. keep we're gonna keep that up, but. That's why I can still have those good meals every once in a while. You come anytime you want. We'll carb you up. I will be we'll brutally honest. Up. If I if I'm at your brother-in-law's place again, I'll say, cheat meal, That's fifteen thousand calories. That's it. Um, your number one meal in the SEC is. Ooh, okay. 
in the footprint. Number, your upper tier Does it have to be an S? Are we talking the college tier. towns themselves or yes, in the footprint? College towns themselves. A, upper, a rack, upper tier meal that a comes. A rack through. of Archibald's ribs, Northport, yep. Alabama, suburban Tuscaloosa yeah. is very hard I'm on, to beat. I'm on board. Uh, breakfast I'm on board. at Mama's Boy in Athens, Georgia. No, I'm on board. Although, I've had it. I will tell you, one thing I learned from the Tennessee NCAA investigation. I learned about a lot of good brunch places in Knoxville. That's good. Because they took those See, recruits there. Good that comes so with scrambled it. jakes. Next time you're in Knoxville, brunch at See, scrambled I'm usually a jakes. Dead end barbecue guy. Dead end barbecue is amazing. With Big George. George so makes me some dead end. My George's on the now, wall see, there. There's how much I've worked in the yeah. SEC. Yeah. I've had so many meals at dead end barbecue that George, who owns yep. it and is the cook there, has come to have a great Italian meal. He's traveled with his family to Connecticut to eat so with me. So my picture is on the wall at Dead End yeah. Barbecue because first year of the SEC Network when you were hosting SEC sure, Nation sure, yeah. and you guys were nice enough to let me do some restaurant I segments, remember that, yeah. I featured the pulled pork and mac and cheese sandwich yeah, very at good. Dead End Barbecue. Yeah, he does a nice cool. job. He does a nice job with his smoked wings as well. Oh, I love his those. His smoked I, wings are very good. Smoked, smoked wings wing. are better than fried wings. I, I, Agreed. I hate to say that. And, I think that bothers and highly me. underrated just as a as a form of protein I barbecue, I'll give you I'll give you one. This is we're not at SEC Media Days in Birmingham. We're in Nashville. I, it's funny because I said, "Oh, I'm at SEC Media Days. I got a spot for you now." And Saw's Soul Kitchen in downtown Birmingham does amazing smoked wings. And then I realized we're in Nashville. This is of no use to you. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to go to Birmingham. But I'm sure you'll be in Birmingham. So I'm there often. Joe Tessitore, thank you so much. Thank you, Andy. Always good to visit with you. For today's Extra Point, our colleague Clark Brooks, the SEC Stat Cat, is going to join us to give us his five biggest SEC freaks. We are here with Clark Brooks of On3, SEC Stat Cat on Twitter. Clark, you are here to debut something very important. Very important. The SEC Freaks list. Yes. Top five SEC Freaks. I'm looking at your handwritten notes. My chicken scratches here, yes. I, I can sort of read your handwriting. I actually have stopped using pens and pencils because I can't even read my own handwriting anymore. I'm impressed that, that yours is semi-legible. But we're going to show the folks what you what, your homework here so they'll know that, that you did the work here. But let's let's go. Top five SEC freaks. So you might be thinking, what the heck is a freak, Andy? Well, to boil it down... Guys that do things that other people simply cannot. So the list starts off with Clark, a very Clark, obvious let me, let me Let me uh, yeah, yeah. back you up on this. Sure, sure, sure. So I was a walk-on offensive lineman at the University of Florida. Uh, my first practice, I walked through the practice field gate past Coach Jones, and I looked to my right, and there is one Javon Curse freak standing himself. with his shirt off. I grew up a Titans fan. Yeah. You don't have to yeah. give me any so, rush about him. Mm. Believe me. You don't have to tell me what a freak is because I have physically collided with the original. <laughs> he, he is the original goat, right? I mean, we were just talking about how, like, someone like uh, William Perry, the fridge yep. in the 80s was considered a behemoth. Well, by today's standards, he's a slight little guy. And we're going to be talking about <laughs> some guys who just are literally dwarfing him yes. at the same position. But, yes. Yeah. Obvious place where we're going to start, Mr. Brock Bowers. And I want to say he is a do-it-all tight end. Yep. I mean, he does it all. We're talking about blocking, catching, running. In terms of blocking, can he do pass pro? Yes, he can. He can be the end man on the line. He can be that offset guy. He can do the split zone fake stuff. He can fake power play action. This is, this is what I like about Brock Bowers. Yes. Because, and you're going to see 
uh, we interviewed Brock Bowers here at SEC Media Day, so the, he'll be on the show in the coming days talking about this because Brock Bowers six four two thirty, which is actually fairly slight for the stuff he's asked to do in the in the in the run game. He will stick his nose in there, and it looks just as effective as the 250, 260-pound guys that you are used to seeing as your quote-unquote blocking tight end. 100%. One of my favorite off-season projects is to go back and look at what schemes guys are doing. And when you're pulling the clips, um, yeah, he's getting his nose dirty. He's not only being like the rapper setting that edge, he's all, or uh, the trapper setting that edge, he's also wrapping through the line of scrimmage and being that lead blocker. It's hard not to think of the touchdown near the end of the third quarter against Florida. If he does not get his landmark, Hitting that linebacker, that is not an explosive touchdown. And, of course, the other part, the big part, catching. So one of my statistics that I like to keep up with at SEC StatCat is created catches. These are things where the, the target goes above and beyond mm -hmm. to make that opportunity for A itself. normal human's not catching it. No. They make it happen. He yeah. has 10 career-created exceptions, seven last year. If he has five more... This upcoming season, he'll have more than any other SEC pass catcher since 2018, since I've been charting guys. The other guys in line, George Pickens, who we know yep. is very sticky-fingered, and then the Heisman, Devontae Smith with 15. Wow, so that is great incredible. company for a yeah. tight end to be in with yeah. those two types of guys. And then it's the running, the yak. What tight end is used on jet sweeps, screens, <laughs> exactly. Utah passes, and one of the biggest aspects of George's offense, the wheelie switch, where he is that guy on the inside. He's running mm -hmm. like he's going to pretend a little flat route, and then he's going to cut the sideline. And, of course, he has a couple of created receptions in that as well. So um, he's just a true do-it-all guy. He averages over eight yards after the catch. I don't think there's any other tight end in the country use that in, in that type of way. So 100%, he is the number one freak. And I hate to say this, but but you know, I do respect Nate Tice, Ben Fennell, mm -hmm. Dan Orlovsky. I saw even this morning, he was being compared to Shannon Sharp, a Hall of Famer. Mm. Oh, George, some George Kittle comparisons just because of how good he is. I mean, again, that's a little irresponsible, but gosh. That well, George Kittle you. was not allowed to do that stuff at, at Iowa. Iowa. No. And I think that's, like, we, we just don't know. It's, it's interesting because, like, I wish we could ask Brian Kelly about this when he was here. He had Travis Kelsey playing Wildcat quarterback as a freshman yes. because they had promised him they'd let him let him play quarterback. But a lot of these guys, we're just now scratching the surface on what these super freak athletic tight ends can do. Yes. And the NFL, this is one where the NFL game might be a little ahead of, of college football in that. I think so. I mean, you see this in the NBA where they're going to more positionless right. types of things. Right. But now it's just like playmakers. I'm so glad because I know there's a guy lower down on your list. We're going to have a, yeah. a lot to talk about with him uh -huh. in the, on this front. So who's next? Next, it's Harold Perkins. Now, uh, earlier this spring, I likened him to Micah Parsons. Of course, he's a little smaller than Micah Parsons, but he's just as disruptive. He has a massive motor, and he is active. There's a reason why he was a freshman All-American. So the concern is with him, he's going to be a little bit more off-ball because of that size. You don't want him as that end man on the line and, you know, invite the run i would mm -hmm. say you yeah. know you want a little bit more stout person but still he had 59 percent of his snaps off the ball last year whether he was in the flank or true inside the tackle not as that, that that's what i'm thinking there's more of a where's waldo game going yeah. on with him where you're forcing the center and the quarterback to find him every play which is going to mess up their pre-snap stuff or at least delay them a little bit and and give them something more to think about i i don't think it's just 
we want him to play in the in the flow of the defense. It's we want him to be disruptive. Dictate. And you're more disruptive if they don't know where you are every play. Correct. Yes. So um, when you're moving inside and out and where you're trying to maximize, optimize those matchups, mm. Brian Kelly spoke this week. So he wants to keep him inside because he thinks he can be a huge presence, quote unquote, yep. and dominate inside. Well, you, you're, you're going to hear Joe Tessitor elsewhere in this show who did six LSU games last year. Joe's a BC guy. Okay. His son played at BC, yeah. uh, knows that program really well. Joe's going to make some Luke Keekley comparisons, which is interesting because Keekley could do it all, but it, it, it was more as he got in the flow of the defense. That's when the volume tackling happened before it was just kind of go get the ball. So this will be interesting to see what Harold Perkins evolves into. And, you know, it's not just like the trait stuff. Like the stats also jump off. So yep. thinking about like the F stuff up metric, havoc rate. <laughs> yep. He was the only college linebacker over 7% last year, and he was just under 10% in Havoc can Rate. Can we change Havoc Rate to F Stuff Up Rate? I think That's we can. a better name. I mean, yeah. yeah. We might, uh, okay. I think we get Sankey on board. All right. Too, <laughs> yeah, he certainly seems like the type. <laughs> All right. Who we got now? The strongest arm, arguably, on planet Earth, Joe Milton. <laughs> so, not that Will Rogers is the best judge for arm talent, but... Um, he had some quotes coming out of the Passing Manning Academy basically saying he has an arm stronger than some people in the professional ranks. So that is a no, little no. hyperbolic. Some, no, no, no. Stronger than some people? He, Most. He has a stronger arm probably three. Than, than probably 90% of the quarterbacks yeah. in the NFL. I mean, so probably that's how many you could probably think of that you could maybe argue uh, could make 60-yard throws on the move with a little flick. I, I've stood behind Joe Milton at practice coming out of the end zone with a offense lined up on its own 10 coming out of the end zone against their own defense and watched him uncork it's incredible because you know you you look at he's not quite the athlete anthony no. richardson was but still a very good athlete he, yeah he's but, not a statue but anthony had kind of the elongated throwing motion joe's is very compact it mm -hmm. is scary when you see him release that ball now it's also scary for your own team when occasionally it sails over the receiver's head, right. and that's the question. Yes. Has he reined that in? Because if he can, we're talking about an incredibly special skill set. Special, yeah, that, that's the word. Like, I mean, there's going to be a lot of dudes in this class that get that word, whether it is uh, Brock Bowers, whether it is Marvin Harrison Jr., Caleb Williams. Mm -hmm. Those are yeah. guys that yeah. are getting some really lofty comps. But, look, um, Joe Milton, just how he can just elevate an already aggressive scheme, it's just you cannot deny his ceiling is one of the highest in the country because of that. Yep. I mean, I don't want to besmirch Hendon Hooker, but when he was at Virginia Tech, he operated a lot like Tyrod Taylor. He right. was taking what was there. He didn't really want to press downfield, but obviously the super spread, the, the veer and shoot, whatever you want to call it, Tennessee scheme, uh, amplified that. But Joe Milton, you don't have to worry about natural aggressiveness and putting that arm on tape, to quote Chad Powers. Right, but here's the thing. They had both players. They yes. initially made Joe, Joe Milton the starter. Mm -hmm. Hinn and Hooker became the start. Mm -hmm. Joe has to show that he can do it within the flow of the offense. Consistency, that's, lower body mechanics, yep. and not taking sacks. Because that's one thing his predecessor did. Uh, he could scramble to space, yep. but you know, just taking those broken plays yep. and not making anything out. And Joe, of and Joe can be a better runner than than Hendon. Which, you would like to think so yeah. with a 6'5", 235 frame. Frame. That's exactly right. Who we got next? Uh, let's talk about frame. One I of the love this biggest one. guys love in this the country. One. So relative athletic scores, it's it's getting a little bit more, I guess. Um, uh, momentum, mm -hmm. but just using their database, I wanted to type in Dion Walker, freshman All-American defensive lineman from the University of Kentucky, typing in his 6'6", 
345 frame into their database. He finished in the 98th percentile of all NFL draft prospects at that position. Uh, it's safe to say he is a hoss and he is a boss because not only is he an interior that obviously can uh, occupy space, but what yeah. UK did last year, they started to use him at edge in pure passing situations. So if you're trying to use your little tight end to try and occupy him, it's probably not going to go so well against that bull rush. And of course, he is six six. That really does disrupt passing. Lanes. Well, and, and in that situation, he's almost acting like an offensive lineman. Yes, clearing out two guys to let a faster guy come through. Very much. Yeah, because if you're running that mint front, where you only have three downs, you need one of those guys to draw that double team. Because odds are you're going to bring somebody else from uh, either a corner, nickelback, or a linebacker position to perform some type of stunt. And one great example that I think just really jumps off the screen in terms of selling his upside, you might not see him log a statistic here because mm. we're talking about it's yep. a space-occupying type of operation, was the Mississippi State game last yep. year. Now, by volume, they were the conference's best at preventing pressure, and yet you watch those third downs, and Will Rogers was consistently disrupted, especially in the second half. No thanks to Walker's disruption skills, pushing the And nobody out. else has that guy. No one does in the SEC. I mean, we're just talking about how the fridge, you know, who was 6'2", 235 in the 80s, we considered a big guy. Well, um, this guy is as big as Jordan Davis, 6'6", 335, and he can absolutely do it all. And, of course, I mean, he, it's not like he didn't produce either. Um, he has 21 defensive stops last year. That would have been top five or top ten, excuse me. And remember, he's not playing a ton of snaps. No, no. Yeah. I mean, he, he was a situational guy. Again, he had to earn some playing time away from Ox, uh, Octavian Oxidon, all-name yeah. team type of person. <laughs> exactly. uh, so, like, he wasn't just given the job. He had to come in and earn it, and it's really easy to see why. Who else we got? Okay, oh, now, oh, this is oh. our guy, number five. So we heard about this guy already in this mm -hmm. show. Spencer Rattler joined us. I asked him about young guys that we should know about, mm -hmm. and he mentioned Nick Harbour, five-star recruit from the DMV area, legit, like has Team USA track aspirations and might actually – be able to do it. So that's a 10 hundred-yard dash that uh, is a little bit faster than me, I think. A little bit. Uh, I think it'll do. But, yeah, just how we were talking about playmakers and how you can add a little bit more potency. Well, if there's any offense that needs a little bit more juice, down to down, I would say it would be South Carolina's. Whether it is avoiding those bubble screens, get a little bit more down-the-field threat, but still, because of how he is just big, long, and explosive, you know, the name I – Tossed out to you was DK Metcalf. You're like, no, that's too small. Exactly. Should, that should just tell you. DK Metcalf, of course, one of the biggest or most impactful north-south big receivers in the professional ranks. So we already mentioned people who uh, were on South Carolina, like Jaheim only, Bell. The only name that really – well, because remember, he's 6'5", 235, 240. Yeah. There's only one name that actually compares – but it's unfair to compare him to this human because nobody else has been able to do this. It's Megatron. Yep. That's the only other person who physically compares. But we it's we can't say that because this guy's never even taken a college snap. Correct, correct. So, so it's a lot of wait and see. Of course, there's a lot of wait and see around that offense. Yeah. Mr. Rattler in particular. Will that verticality that we saw at the last half of the season carry over? You know, he had 26 deep pass attempts the last three games. He had 29 the entire the season, the season before that. Yep. Just incredible. So if he can help provide a little bit more stress and open up things for the run game, because that's also very important because South Carolina dead last in the SEC last year in rush yards before contact. They need to get some verticality. They need to create space both sideline to sideline and end zone to end zone any way they can. I absolutely think he is that type of freak that can do that for the this The only offense. true freshman on Clark's list, but 
people have been buzzing about this dude for two years. So yeah. I can't wait to see him on the field. Clark, we're going to have so much to talk about this season. Cannot wait to have you back. Same. Appreciate it, Andy. That's it from SEC Media Days, and that's it for our first week as a show. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you telling your friends, subscribing, rating, reviewing. We're not going to be here without you. We're going to do this for you, and we're going to have as much fun as humanly possible. So please let everybody know who loves college football that there's a new show out there called Andy Staples on 3. They can watch it on video. They can get it in podcast form. And hopefully you've seen what we can do. It's only going to get better from here. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you next week. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.